Just Our Real Estate, episode number 79. All right, welcome. Thank you for being with me here on Just Our Real Estate. My name is Mike Simmons. I am your host, and I am thrilled that you are here with me today. There's other things we all could be doing. I appreciate that you're choosing to spend some time here at Just Our Real Estate. I think that's very cool, and I'm glad to have you. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you, when you get a moment, go to my website, and while you're there, if you would, sign up for my mailing list, because when you do that, I am going to send you the top five real estate resources that I think every investor should be aware of. These are resources that I use in my business, resources that other very successful real estate investors use in their business as well. The other reason to sign up for my mailing list is very shortly, I am going to be announcing my brand new coaching program. Now, this coaching program is going to be awesome. I am going to take on a few students and I can only take a few because my time is limited. And frankly, I want to make sure that I'm giving the attention to my students that they deserve. I want to be there for them. I want to give them good quality time, quality information, and really make myself available to them. So I'm only going to take a few students and I'm going to announce the details first to my mailing list and give them the first opportunity to apply to be one of my students that I coach personally. I will absolutely make sure that you know the minute my the details are, are all set for the uh, coaching program and we can get off and running in 2014 and be absolutely as successful as we can possibly be. One of the ways that I plan on being more successful this year is I am going to crank up my buy and hold rental portfolio this year. As of right now, I only have one rental. I am a buy and flip guy. That's pretty much just how I've done my business to this point. Uh, but I want to get going with my rental business and crank it up to be as good and as successful as it can possibly be. One of the companies that's going to have a major impact on my success this year is a company called Rent Prep. And I am so impressed with this company and its owner that I'm not only going to use their service, but I also ask them to be a sponsor on this podcast. If you're not familiar with Rent Prep, I suggest you go back and listen to the episode number 62 of this podcast where I interview Stephen Michael White, the founder and CEO of Rent Prep. Rent Prep is a screening company that you should be using to screen your potential renters. They use real-life screeners to complete the reporting using multiple databases. This makes for a more comprehensive and compliant report. Last year, Rent Prep ran over 30,000 background checks to help keep landlords from renting to bad tenants. They learned that 49% of all applicants had one type of adverse action or another, evictions, judgments, liens, bankruptcy, and criminal records. Half of the background checks performed had something that indicated a higher rental risk. They talk to landlords every day that just got out of bad rental situations, and they look to rent prep to make sure it never happens again. You can call their office and speak to a screener. In fact, you can speak to the screener that actually completed your background check and have them answer any questions that you might have. To check them out, go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash rent prep and type in the promo code juststart to receive their landlord form bundle for free. You can also use that coupon code JUSTSTART whenever you're ordering their screening products and you'll receive an additional 10% off your order. I suggest you go there now, check them out. If you're a landlord, you owe it to yourself and you owe it to your business to screen properly. All right, on to the show. 
All right, thank you for joining me on another Quick Point episode. I am happy to have you here. I'm excited to be here with you. And I am going to continue this week on my fear-driven podcast, uh, basically talking about things that scare new investors. And we're going to try to dispel some of those fears and make it a little less scary for you. So yesterday we talked about what's the you know what's the worst thing that can happen and we were talking about losing money and losing money on a deal and how that scares new investors. So hopefully I put that to bed a little bit for you yesterday. Uh, today I want to talk about something else that I have heard way more than once. I've heard a lot of people say this, new investors, and it's the fear of having a contractor quit in the middle of the rehab. What do you do? What happens if a contractor quits? So in this episode, I am going to discuss that fear, that fear that new investors have. What if my contractor just stops showing up, quits in the middle of the rehab? What do you do? How do you handle it? How do you recover? Oh my gosh, you're going to, this thing's going to fail. You got to just cut your losses and move on and lose money. No, not, none of that has to happen. It, it's really, it's not preferable that your contractor quits or just starts showing up, but there's some things you can do to minimize the damage and some things you can do to kind of keep going without, you know, a real hitch. So let's talk about this. So in full disclosure, I'm just going to let you know, this has never happened to me. I've never had a contractor uh, quit in the middle of a rehab. So I know it happens, though. It's happened to investors. I've heard this story over and over again. It's really not that uncommon of a story. Um, there's a, you know, some, there's certain reasons why it happens sometimes. It's, it's Sometimes it's almost even a little bit predictable. So let's get into that a little bit. I'm going to talk about a few things that, like I said, that you can do to minimize the effect if it does happen to you. Okay. Number one, you, and by the way, these are six things that you can do. I'm going to list six really kind of easy things that you should be doing in the beginning and kind of preventative stuff and things that you should be aware of in case this ever happens. So number one, interview more than one contractor at the start of the job. Okay. The reason you do that is because you want to get the contractor that maybe you're getting a good price from. You want to kind of make sure that you're getting, you know, the best price you can get. You want to make sure that you're finding a contractor that has, you know, the t their timing is really good and it's competitive as well. So you're kind of c competitively quoting these contractors so you can get the best deal, but you're also at the same time, you're sort of interviewing more than one contractor so that you have a backup plan if something doesn't go well with a first contractor. <clears throat> and it isn't always that a contractor would quit, but frankly, you may have to fire a contractor in the middle of a rehab. I, again, I've never done that either, but it happens. It can happen if something goes really wrong, or they just flake out, and you have to you have to fire them. You need to have other contractors in your Rolodex, so to speak, or you know, in your contact list that you can call and say, "Hey, you know, you you quoted this job, you didn't get it, and and we've had an issue. I'd like you to come over and see what's been done and quote." finishing this rehab. So if you quote more than one, if you interview more than one contractor at the start of the job, you have other people that you can call or the contractors that can come in and sort of help you pick up the pieces and move on from there. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, never give a contractor a ton of money at the start of the job. Okay, so for round numbers, let's just say it's a $20,000 rehab. Day one, you don't give the contractor $20,000. In my opinion, day one, you don't give the contractor $10,000. You really try to give them just enough that they can start buying materials, 
you know, have a little bit of money in their pocket to pay their guys if they need to right off the bat. Um, but on a $20,000 job, I really wouldn't expect to give my contractor more than a couple thousand, two or $3,000, maybe day one, the most. If they're asking you for ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 day one, that's when I was saying it's kind of predictable. You're probably not going to see that contractor again because a really good, reputable contractor should not need 50 to 75% of the money up front. That just, it isn't necessary. So, you know, a couple thousand dollars to get some, some materials going and get some things going. And then from that point, you don't pay until the job is done in in terms of the draws or, or the the you know the money you're paying along the way so if if the next thing they're going to do is demo and you're going to pay them after demo that's fine wait till the demo's done to your satisfaction then pay them for demo and then you know if they're gonna say uh you know paint the walls they're gonna paint the inside when it's done paint being painted and you're satisfied you pay for painting so forth and so on so from after the point that you give them money to get started with the materials and things after that you're paying them sort of after the fact you're paying them after they've done things so you can't really lose a lot of money if they leave so never give contractors a ton of money at the start of the job because if you do you're almost asking for them to not show up again because it just it happens unfortunately it happens not all contractors are like that but some are so just don't even tempt the situation by giving them a ton of money up front number three Show up on the job site regularly, be friendly, stay involved with the process. Just know what's going on. Talk to the contractor. Don't make them feel like they've been abandoned. If you make them feel like they're being abandoned, they may abandon you. So go there. You know, Don't be in the way. Don't be nosy in terms of like you, they can't get work done because they're tripping over you and trying to work around you. Don't, don't be that involved, but go to the job site, ask questions, You know, be involved, try to be helpful if you can. And uh, just keep that communication going with the contractor, and they're more likely to show up and be there and do the job. Number four, never pay for work before it's completed. This kind of goes back to what I was saying on point two. You're paying for work after it's done. So you're paying them that initial money to get started, but after that, it's after they do something, then you inspect it and you pay for them. Then they do the next thing. You inspect it and you pay them for it. And then they do the next thing and you inspect that and then you pay them for that. So they really want to always come back because they're coming back because they haven't gotten paid for what they just did. And then when you pay them, you know, you're basically even. Well, they might as well do the next thing, right? They need to do the next thing so they can keep getting paid and pay their guys. So you're kind of encouraging them. It's like the the, the carrot and the stick. You always, have a, you always have the carrot out in front of them, so they're always working to get paid. And that's how you run it so you don't, you know, lose a contractor halfway through. <clears throat> Number five. If you have to switch contractors, this is sort of like an after the fact, right? It's not preventative. But if you have to switch contractors, just do yourself a favor. Change all the lockbox codes. Change everything that would allow them to get into the property. Make sure that they have their equipment and things like that. I mean, allow them, you know, if they call you a week later and say, hey, you know, I flaked out and I, I want my stuff back. Let them get their tools and things. I mean, you're not holding anything hostage, I guess, unless they owe you money. But once that's done, switch you know, all the lockbox codes and everything, just start over so you don't have to worry about someone getting into your house who you're no longer employing. Okay, and then the last tip I have for you, and this is maybe one of the big ones, is don't panic. Do not freak out. It's not the end of the world. Losing a contractor is not a great thing. It's not something you want, but if it happens, trust me, there's other contractors that you can get, and it may be a better contractor the next time. So, have those contractors interviewed in the beginning. You know, you should be interviewing maybe your three to five or getting quotes from three to five. So if your contractor flakes out and takes off, 
you know, you have, you know, two to four more people that you can go back and and uh, try to get them in there to, to pick up the pieces and finish the job with you. So those are my suggestions. You know, just number six, I can't reiterate, don't panic. Just don't panic. This isn't worth panicking over. You'll, you'll get through it. Trust me. If it happens and you feel yourself panicking, <clears throat> email me. Give me a call. I'll talk you down if I have to because it's just there's no need to panic. It's something you can recover from. Trust me. So no one can completely explain to me why a contractor would do some of the things they do. Um, sometimes contractors are just an interesting breed, so they do weird things. Uh, if you find a contractor that's professional, prompt, conscientious, make sure you treat them well and keep them happy. Keep a good relationship with them. Don't beat up on people that are, that are doing a good job for you and working for you and, and you know they show up and they're doing what they say they're going to do. Treat them well. Treat them well, right? Just treat them how you'd want to be treated. A good, reliable contractor can really help make your business a success. So treat the good ones well. The bad ones, you know, let them go. Wish them well and, and don't worry about it because there's always good contractors out there that you can find. You don't need to argue and try to beg the bad ones to stay around if, if they don't want to be there. So those are my tips for if contractors quit or just bail out at the last second or in the middle of the project with you. This is how you can handle it. These are some things you can do to prevent it, and uh, it'll be fine. Like I said, shoot me an email if you have this problem and you just don't know what to do. I'll help you through it. All right, that's all I have for today. Before we go today, I wanted to remind you to go to our sponsor at juststartrealestate.com forward slash rent prep. When you go there and enter the promo code juststart, you will receive their landlord form bundle for free. Also, when you use the promo code juststart, you will receive 10% off of all of their screening products. So go there today, check them out, and enter the promo code juststart. Please also be sure to sign up for my mailing list and I will send you the top five resources I think every real estate investor should know about. Also stay tuned for the upcoming announcement of my new coaching program. I'll only be able to take on a few students initially and I will be telling you exactly how to apply in the next couple of weeks. I'm excited about this program. I know I'm going to be able to help a few people either launch their real estate investing business or take it to the next level in 2014. Okay, until next time, if investing in real estate is your dream, there's only one way you can make it a reality. Just start. Thank you.